Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you guys of Starting Small Summit. I'm hosting my first live in-person summit in Mishawaka, Indiana. Just like the podcast, we're going to be hosting amazing speaker panel, and you're going to be there as the audience in person. We're having out the founders of Reebok, Stacy's Pita Chips, Be Bold Bars, JBL New York City, and Glow Science. I can't wait to see you guys there, and make sure to check the link in this podcast description on how to purchase tickets and where the summit will be exactly. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Giles Harrison, founder of Sculpt, air-dry clay home pottery kits for adults, beginners, and DIY creators. Sculpt brings the joy of pottery to homes without the need for a kiln. Hello, and welcome to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Giles Harrison of Sculpt. Giles, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks very much, Cameron. I'm looking forward to this. Of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Yeah, that's a good one. So um, I uh, grew up in um, in the UK, just south of London. So not in the city, but um, in the outskirts um, in a kind of pretty standard suburban um, area. And um, I guess my childhood is relatively normal. Um, one of the, the main differences is that um, I have achondroplasia, which is a, a type of dwarfism. And so spent a lot of my t- uh, childhood actually in and out of hospitals, um, various surgeries and, and things like that. Um, and that definitely changed my perception of um, the world around me and kind of how I, how I perceive things. Um, and uh, from quite a young age was, was just really interested in, in um, business well back back then it wasn't really business it was more kind of buying and selling things in the playground but um that was always sort of part and parcel of 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 my upbringing and um kind of was seemed in in, at least in my memory were always there Mm -hmm. yeah so mentioning uh the playground i'm curious growing up did you did you have an entrepreneurial mindset say lemonade stands or sony products yeah exactly yeah so um uh, when I was growing up, um, Pokemon cards were uh, kind of all, all the rage. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, you know, started off doing things like um, buying and selling those. Um, and then, um, you know, as, as sort of um, I, I grew older, progressed into kind of more more sort of um, traditional business things. Um, I ended up um, actually um, getting involved with um, building um, uh, speakers. Um, so the cabinets that speakers go into um and and selling those either for people to fit in their car or into their homes um and then uh things like you know buying and selling clothing and stuff like that um during during my school years um and i absolutely loved it it was um people i guess looking back people would describe me as a um the wheeler dealer in the uh, the playground (laughs) awesome so i'm curious uh being from the u.s myself what is the schooling system how would you describe that in the uk and what was that experience like for yourself um, so the traditional schooling experience is um, uh, is relatively structured. Um, as you as you grow up, you tend to specialise down into a particular subject, starting off really broad in um, kind of uh, in younger years, and and then selecting fewer and fewer subjects as as you get towards university, which is the equivalent of college. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, it kind of you know it's, it's, it's quite a competitive environment. People um, uh, academically, it's a um, especially in, in London, very competitive environment and people really do um, uh, get pushed at quite a young age to sort of um, uh, perform in, in, in their chosen subjects. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, university. Uh, where did you end up going to study then and what did you study? 
So I went to um, Bristol University and I studied mechanical engineering. Um, and uh, during my childhood, I was fascinated with engineering and I still am. I, I think that engineers will, will save the world eventually um, if, if politicians don't get in the way. Yeah. Um, but um, engineering, I, I have a huge respect for engineering and I, I love this. I love the, um, the, the discipline um, and went as far to um, you know, study at university for four years. Um, and that was kind of at the time I was unsure about whether I wanted to actually start a business, go into business. It was a bit of an unknown for me um, taking the leap from sort of doing things in childhood to actually trying to start a business and support myself. So um, I studied engineering for four years, um, but during my third year, I really realized because um, I'd already started another business at university that, you know, that that was actually really what I was interested in. Mm. So with your time uh, at the university, then were you involved with any athletics or clubs and what was that experience like? Um, so I'm really into cycling, um, and so have I've actually always been. It's um, it's one of the few sports that I can play kind of on a level playing field um, and compete against um, against everyone else. Um, and so it was always I've, I've kind of always been involved with that and did it um, at, at university um, alongside like the other clubs or kind of um, organisations in the university around entrepreneurship that I was quite heavily involved with as well. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, following your time at the university and prior to Sculpted then, uh, what kind of jobs were you working? So I, um, after deciding that I didn't want to go into engineering, I um, subsequently sort of, you know, had, had a period of time towards the end of the university period where I was working out what do I want to do and um, thought maybe I should go into something more like strategy consulting, like, a, you know, McKinsey or Bain or something like that, but then didn't really, you know, it ticked a few boxes, but not all of them. Um, and I ended up finding something called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which is a, a year-long development program here in London for aspiring entrepreneurs. And it's run as a charity. They take on a small cohort of um, of, of, of entrepreneurs each year um, through an application process and managed to get a place on it, which I'm very grateful for. And um, that really kind of kick-started my, my journey into um, what became Sculpt. Um, and the idea is that you kind of, uh, during this program, you, you learn a lot of the foundational entrepreneurial skills like accounting, marketing, branding, et cetera, um, that you may not necessarily have already. Um, and the other part is you actually work at another startup during that during that year. Um, wow. And I always sort of thought, right, I'm going to go and, I'm going to go and start working this other person's startup, um, but I'll, I'll leave straight away and just go and start my own business. Um, but I ended up staying there for a long time. It was actually five years in total that I stayed at this business because when I joined, it was very early stages, um, I think about eight or nine people when I started there. Um, and it, it grew really quickly and grew to 90 people. Um, and I had a lot of exposure working really closely with the CEO along throughout that five years um, about how he'd scaled the business, what the kind yeah. of key milestones, um, and um, that's served me really well in in in, in Sculpt where I am now because I've, I've kind of I've seen what it takes to get a business from a handful of people to ninety people um, and the different stages of growth and what, what you know what, what kind of tends to happen at each stage. So um, I had a great time there, um, despite thinking that I was going to only be there for a handful of months that's there for a handful of years. Of course. Working at a startup, uh, as you presume, there's many hats to be worn if you just work for a startup. I'm, I'm curious, what kind of uh, roles were you playing at that startup when you first joined and how did that transform? Yeah, so um, I was, I mean, I was fresh out of uni at that stage. I'd, I'd run a couple of businesses, but I was, by full intents and purposes, very, very junior. Um, so I joined in um, 
uh, as, a, as a marketing technology company, I joined in a role called customer success, which is basically advising the clients, which were generally all e-commerce brands, um, about how to use our technology and, and that kind of thing. Um, and um, by the time I left, I was on the senior leadership team as um, VP of strategy. So I was responsible for um, uh, helping the company decide what the sort of three-year plan and one-year plan was, um, go to market strategies, um, uh, product strategy and, and, and things like that. Wow, amazing. So Sculpt comes around 2020 and not I'm not sure if you had any prior experience with uh, pottery before, but I'm fascinated. Where did this inspiration come from uh, when starting your own pottery company? Yeah, so I, I think I fall into um, the bucket that most of our customers do, which is um, I've done pottery before, but actually only um, in childhood um, during kind of like art classes. Um, and whenever we speak to our customers, they, they typically say the same thing. It's like, I absolutely loved it. I remember playing around with clay. It was so much fun. We used to make little pots and stuff and then, you know, um, we're going to get them fired or we'd decorate them or whatever. But it, for most people, they never do it after that ever again. And the reason why is because it's it's not very accessible. Um, you need, generally speaking, you need to go to um, a pottery studio, which, you know, they're not very many if you live, um, depending on where you live. And they're, they're, they're quite expensive if you want to go for a couple of sessions. Um, but everyone really kind of has a visceral memory of what it feels like to have clay in their hands and to play around. It really kind of teleports them back to, to childhood. Um, and so I, I yeah, I had not done, I don't come from a professional ceramics background. Um, and a, a few things kind of happened all at the same time. Um, during when I was working at this um, at the startup, I was working um, quite closely with a number of craft companies. Um, and I was just amazed that the companies, I never really, as a, as a kind of um, aspiring entrepreneur, I had um, never really thought about crafts as an interesting sort of um, industry to go into. Mostly, you know, thought I was just full of people knitting. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's fascinating their businesses because they have very loyal customers. Because if you get someone into the craft um, and you teach them how to do it and they enjoy it, then they're really likely can, to kind of stay with you and to continue developing their skills and trying different products and things like that. Um, and so um, I, was, I was sort of, I was having all these sort of, um, uh, meetings with the founders and talking about their craft businesses um, and then the idea for, for Sculpt came about and um, I really kind of dug into that and said well actually pottery has is, is never been modernized as a as a as an as an industry it's very it's a very traditional industry um, it's it's very difficult to get into because you, you need a lot of um, uh, or the perception is you need a lot of um, tools and materials and things like that you have to buy them in you know massive uh, 20 pound bags of clay and you know you're gonna you're gonna turn your apartment into a complete mess, and you know how, where are you gonna put all those things? How do you do it? Um, the instructions on on the internet are really sort of specific and don't really speak to a, a novice. Um, and so putting all those things together, the the, the idea from Sculpt was was really born, which is let's make pottery accessible, let's make it fun, let's make it engaging for the um, the age of of, of um, kind of the millennial age range who. Um, are really stressed and burnt out at work, who are constantly on their phones, who, um, you know, there are lots of social pressures to um, eat in a certain way or to, you know, to conform to whatever societal norms. Um, all, all of these kind of lifestyle stresses that exist in um, in day-to-day -day life, um, things like pottery can, can have an amazing impact on. And actually, when you spend an hour or two just messing around with clay and, and forming things in your hand and eventually making something, um, it's an incredibly rewarding experience. And that's really what we 
want to kind of um, uh, like package up with Sculpt. That's that's what we're kind of um, giving our customers. It's that blissful experience where um, they are just completely detached from the world for an hour or two, either by themselves or with friends. Um, and in the end, they create something. Um, and in most cases, they absolutely love what they've created. And, you know, we'll see them proudly on their, um, you know, on their shelf or whatever. Um, and that's really kind of why, why we exist and what, what we're trying to do. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Trial's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Colorful Standard, offering stylish and comfortable clothing with a strong focus on sustainability. My favorite part about this company is that they offer so many colors. With 41 different shades, you can virtually pick any shade you want for scarves, sweatpants, sweatshirts, and more. Make sure to check them out for yourself at colorfulstandard.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. From the start and, of course, production cost, R&D cost, I'm curious, did you acquire any funding uh, launching your first few products? No, so we, um, we've self-funded the business. Um, we uh, there's the, I have two co-founders and um, we put in a small amount of money each at the very beginning um, in order to kind of get our MVP off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a kind of a, a first sort of idea of what the product might look like. And, um, you know, looking back to that very first iteration, it was very rough around the edges. It wasn't perfect, um, but it gave us enough to say, right, okay, um, let's speak to the customers who bought it what did they like what did they didn't like and where where can we improve um and and, and kind of went organically from there mm-hmm. with the r d process and the prototyping process how did that experience and from your pov how did that look um when choosing the specific product line you wanted to launch so um a lot of a lot of talking to customers um and well, at the beginning we didn't have any customers so speaking to people we knew people we we didn't know um, trying to get an understanding of um, what the kind of the format would likely be, how it would work for um, for them. You know, would they actually do this in their flat uh, or, or in their apartment? Um, what kind of, how much clay would they need, et cetera, et cetera? Do they understand how to use the tools and that kind of thing? And then from there, we um, ever since we did get customers, we really tried to um, be really close to them and understand. You know. What, what did you like? What did you like? And um, use that as a really strong input to our R&D process. Um, the other element of this is that um, we're doing something that's not really been done before. Air drying clay kits that you don't need to take to the kiln um, haven't been created before. This is something that, that we were the first to do. And so we've done a lot of R&D and um, proprietary materials and, um, and glazes and things like that. Because what we really want to do is allow people to create amazing things at home without having to take them to the kiln. Um, and so there is a lot of R&D in that, in that, um, in that respect, in um, proprietary varnishes and, and so on. Definitely. I'm sure the listeners are curious at that part, the at-home air drying uh, aspect. How would you contrast, contrast that with the kiln, the traditional kiln, to the air drying? Is there any difference? Uh, can consumers expect the same process? There is, there is a difference. Um, and so... Um, uh, typically, if you go to a potter's studio, you'll make your piece, you'll let it dry over a number of days, um, and then you'll put it in the kiln and, and, and eventually get it fired. Um, and um, clay sort of changes state in that process, and you can use it for things like mugs and, and crockery and or, or just, just decorative pieces as well. Um, but we're, we're obviously, no people don't have kilns in their houses. Um, but And, and the, the thing that they love the most is the experience of making something. Um, not necessarily the, the um, taking it to a kiln and, and getting it fired. Mm-hmm. So what we are trying to do is to replicate as close as possible 
the um, the finished kiln piece without actually having to take it to the kiln. And so that's why we're putting so much um, time and effort into trying to, uh, in, in, with our varnishes and things like that. Um, and eventually we want to get it to a position where um, it is almost identical to to that piece, and it's it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of a lot of work to get there, um, so that people can you know get their um, get their clay at home, um, and at the moment they can do they can make um, lovely pieces, they can make um, vases, they can make plant pots, they can decorate them all in their home, and they'll function um, just like a normal um, a normal pottery piece would. Mm. So having a native at-home uh, product, I'm curious, launching at the midst of the pandemic, seems like perfect timing, but I could be wrong also. Uh, what was your marketing to leverage that at-home aspect of the product and in the current pandemic? Yeah, it was um, it was good and bad at the same time, um, launching at the time that we did. Um, the, the tailwinds that we had were that um, people were spending more time at home. So um, people were, um, especially in the UK, where we had more sort of severe lockdowns um, than, than um, happened in the US, people were really confined to their home and, and proactively looking for things, ways in which they can entertain themselves. Um, and so that definitely helped the demand side of the business. Um, but it really made it, it made it very difficult to scale up a business um, on the operational side. Yeah. Um, when there's zero availability of workers, where we didn't have a big warehouse to begin with, we were in the very early days, making um, the kits in um, my co-founder Matt's living room. Um, so going from that stage to, to a warehouse in, in, during a pandemic was 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 very difficult. Supply chains were obviously very um, badly disrupted, um, and so it's kind of there there are good and bad parts in in terms of marketing. Um, from the very outset we've, we've been very experimental with our marketing um, and we use it as a tool to really understand our customer and, and kind of what um, they care about and, and 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 how the products resonate with them um, and that really is done through digital marketing so um, a lot of work on um, uh, on, on Instagram um, and, and Facebook and Google as well and um, we um, I've basically come to you know what, what's rung true is that people love seeing what other people have created and we built a really strong community on our instagram um which is approaching 100,000 followers now um and all we do is just show what other people have made and and we we repost people's creations and um there's just this amazing interaction between our customers um uh, so you know how did you make this bit what 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 kind of technique did you use um, and we really love to showcase people who may never have done pottery before um showing that you know, this is what you can this is what you can do and subsequently we use that in our marketing as well because it really resonates with the customer who you know if you're um you know you come back from this maybe a stressful day at work and you might see one of our adverts and it shows you know you can have this really lovely blissful pottery experience and actually it doesn't matter if you've done you haven't done pottery before you did it sort of 15 years ago yeah um you know anyone anyone can give it a go um, and it's not about being sort of the best. It's not about um, being a professional artist. It's about um, uh, having fun and, and creating something that you're that you're proud of. Definitely. With that uh, marketing and the feedback received, what would you say is the main demographic of Sculpt? Um, the very core demographic um, is a female buyer between the ages of 25 and 35, typically living in, a, in, a, in an urban environment. Um, so um, places like New York City um, is is um, uh, we have we have a, a great of group of customers there. Amazing. Uh, outside of D to C, then I, I was looking at the site and I saw you do have a corporate aspect. I'm curious, 
What does that sign-on and experience process look like for a corporation looking to engage their team with Sculpt? Yeah, it's um, that's been a really interesting side of the business because within about, um, I think it was about two weeks um, of, of launching, we got an email from someone saying, hey, I lo- you know, love these kits, I love the look of them. Um, would you be able to organize a class for one of uh, for my for my company? We're like, yeah, sure, we can we can try and work out how to do that. Um, and since it has obviously evolved into a really um, large part of the business, um, and so what we tried to do is um, for for, um, for 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 teams now um, working remotely, distributed teams, especially in the in the US, um, it's very difficult to keep staff engaged you know it's, it's it is very stressful working it can be stressful working remotely um, you don't get much sort of um face time with all of your all of your team members and so um finding ways in which you can engage your team and get them all together chatting and laughing about something um and, and hopefully having some, some fun in the process is a really meaningful experience and so that's what we try to offer um, and obviously we do that by um, uh, um, hosting a pottery class, but really what we're trying to do is to bring everyone together to um, have fun in the, in the ways that I've been describing how our normal customers sort of um, have it and, and um, giving them a, a professional guidance in, in making something um, so that there's sort of um, everyone comes out of those classes with something that um, they can keep forever. Um, and so, on the operational side, we try and make it as straightforward as possible. You know, it should be as easy as basically saying hello, and um, I want to send it to all of these places, and we'll we'll do everything else. Um, and then one of our um, one of our potters will then host the team and um, show them how to um, make a couple of pieces on the class. That's very cool. I'm curious then, from the logistics side, how would how, how long would you say the average kit takes to build? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so. It happens in various stages, um, but um, in, I mean, in, in total, it probably takes about a minute to make each one. Um, and that's through a lot of refinement of the processes that go into, you know, making each one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually, in, very early on, my, the three founders, um, we watched this um, a, a film about, um, it's like a, a, a dramatized film about the, um, the founding of McDonald's. Oh yeah, and um, if, if you see, I think it's called the, the founder. The founder, yeah, yeah. It's and very they, good. They, um, the the scene where they go to the tennis court and sketch out the floor plan of the um, uh, of the restaurant, and then kind of um, get get their friends involved, and basically each person simulates the task of of running the restaurant, and they look at where people walk into each other, or try to minimize the amount of people are walking around between different stations. Um, and then we're like, right, okay, well, let's do that. So we we did that in our warehouse before we moved anything into it. We um, sketched out on the floor where everything was going to go, um, where all the stock was going to be held, and then um, kind of ran simulations of, of of building everything up and dispatching it. Um, and so since then, I've tried to apply the same kind of um, thinking in order to make things as efficient as possible. Amazing. Looking at Sculpted today, uh, what would you say separates the brand from your competitors then? Um, I think it's our community of customers. Um, we are, are very grateful for, for everyone who's who's on our Instagram, who subscribes to our emails. Um, I've never really seen a business where um, customers are kind of so vocal and so passionate about the brand and really willing to kind of show everything that they're creating. Um, and then the interaction support 
between customers has just been fantastic. Um, and really, I think that's kind of what, what really separates us and what we're what we're really trying to do um, in, in making pottery an accessible experience in bringing people together in order to kind of share that experience with each other. Um, that's something that um, we're really, we're really proud of. Mm, amazing. Looking at your products then, what would you say is the top seller if you have an idea? Uh, yes, well, it's, it's our sculpt kit. That's our kind of um, our hero product. It's been there since day one. Um, and that's really kind of um, where things all start and still, still our most popular products. Amazing. Well, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, maybe something you've learned or regret, what would that be? Um, I'd say having, having tried to start two businesses before Sculpt, um, I would say my, my one piece of advice is, um, is just to do it and give it a go, um, but do it quickly. Um, if you're if you're thinking about starting a business, um, myself in the past, and um, I've seen plenty of other people do it, um, sit on their ideas for a long time, and you know they might already you know, might have a full time job and whatever, um, and then you, you know months go by, months go by, and they've never really actually started it. Um, have the self discipline to say right, I'm I'm going to start this. I'm going to give it everything for um, a defined period of time, three months, let's say. And if I don't get to this marker in that three months time, I'm not going to do it. Um, and I really think that's the most important thing. It's just starting. Um, as soon as you start, you'll start learning. Um, but so many people never start. And that's, that's the biggest regret. For sure. Well, Giles, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Sculpt at Sculpt.com. Thanks so much, Carmen. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would... Leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.